You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Welcome to Webcology. Webcology is the show that takes you into the deepest and darkest ends of the ecosystem on the Internet. Our guides will take you on a journey into web marketing, and bring you the experts and the information so that you can further explore the web marketing world. Now, here are the hosts of Webcology, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Hey everyone, welcome to Webcology on WMR.FM. It's the 12th of May, 2022. This is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media, Dave Davies from Weights and Biases. And uh, sorry, we took, we took sort of an impromptu uh, two-week break there. Uh, sorry about that. Um, anyway, personal issues in both of our lives and the, 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 the weirdness of, uh, of time. But I think it was the first two-week break we've taken in um, years and years and years. Yeah. Yeah, it has been. And it, uh, yeah, with just interesting, uh, interesting things going on. And, uh, but good to be back. Good to be back. Welcome, uh, welcome back. And you came back just in time to learn that um, Google is uh, now giving out SEO advice. <laughs> it has a course in how to do SEO. And um, it's as good as you would think. <laughs> yesterday, we learned that um, Google was teaching people to think about important things like keyword density and uh, um, keyword stuffing. <laughs> You know, how to construct titles that uh, make sure that Google gets every possible keyword under the sun or to make a footer that will, um, you know, give that absolute delicate balance of keywords to um, regular words on, on, on page with lots of links to Alabama lawyers and stuff. Um, so, yeah, Google Google started their own um, SEO course, course with with, with, with um uh, 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 hookers and, and cocaine and stuff, and um, promptly gave out craptastic advice. You'll be pleased to know, though, that it was pointed out to them, 
And um, after telling us to ignore the craptastic advice, they, they just simply removed it. And they're no longer giving out craptastic advice. They're just talking about leak stuffing. Yeah, just, just leave it with a big, <laughs> and here's our page. It depends. There, be done. <laughs> just That's the advice that they can give. Um, like I, I, I feel for their team. I mean, this was just ridiculous. Some of the stuff they were even talking about. Like we, a decade ago, were mocking past us at the time for talking about stuff like keyword density. Like it's that old. <laughs> um, and, and, and yet there, there they were talking about it. I do feel for their teams in trying to craft something for Google. Like it would be rough if they, like if I worked for Google to go, okay, Dave, now create an SEO course for on Google. That's going to be the official Google statement. Now they went a different direction, which was let's just make it so bad we have to remove chunks. Like that—that's an approach that you could take. Um, but it, it would be a delicate balancing act because you'd be kept out of things, a, a lot of the big decisions, and then having to make statements as Google, um, which would be would be curious. But uh, but I don't need to talk. But uh, you know how <laughs> Google has this whole uh, expertise, uh, authority, and <laughs> trustworthiness thing going. <laughs> um, this has like farmed out content. This smells like farmed out content all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, there's no possible way this isn't wasn't originally farmed out content because nobody inside of Google could 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 be writing about 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 keyword. Um, you know, you know what might have happened. They might have been testing new machine learning models. They were like, "Hey, we've got GPT four. Let's put it on." But they forgot to remove the date stamp, and they set it for everything before 2012. And they just said, "Just take all of that SEO knowledge, and then distill some pages out of that, or create some pages out of that for us." And they, they just forgot. I think that must have been what happened. That, oh my! You know. And, and, uh, 50-50, either one of us is right, and 100% <laughs> chance that um, either way, that's probably how it went down. Um, <laughs> and here's a question, and, and, and I think it's actually an interesting question, that I'm, and I'm, again, not trying to, to, to taunt, but it's good to learn off of Google's misery. Um, is if you, if, you, if you have machine-generated content, that content can, let's theoretically, can, can, you can go and you can look at... Um, everything written about a certain subject and if taught well um ascertain what is useful and not useful um sort it and come up with its own well-written definitions ideas concepts and explanations right Mm -hmm. like theoretically that that's what people are working towards and what can happen now yeah okay so is that content expertise is there um can you can you pool the expertise of many and sort of throw it into a blender um and then produce and then you know blended stuff is quite good if, if I've, I've had many blended drinks that that worked quite well um and produce and produce good content is that possible is it and, and is that can you and then again how, how do you measure expertise on that yeah, I mean, those those are great questions and ones that I think we're going to be battling for ages. But if we if we really put it down to its, its root, like really understand it, what makes somebody an expert um, in, in a topic? What makes, I like to think of myself as expert 
in SEO. What makes me that? I've encountered a vast array of scenarios, many of them completely unrelated to each other. And I have created from that a vision in my head of how systems work related Mm -hmm. to SEO. So I I think the short answer to that question would be, now, some can question whether I am an expert or not. (laughs) That is an aside, but Dave views himself as one. Um, Taking that as, as the inspiration of the answer, I would argue yes, because what is expertise other than taking in vast arrays of information that might be unrelated and creating an understanding from them of the way a more complex system works. Now, where we might see the separation, so, and this gets down to the definition is, I like to think that I or or my peers um, who, who may be more knowledgeable in specific areas than I could then take that and create something new. Like from the creative part of us, go, okay, I'm going to create a new idea, a new tool, a new method of doing things. Folks at Google going, this is a new way of looking at things that a machine wouldn't necessarily think of. So it's not just the taking in of information and, and creating the picture. I would argue that that creating something new from it is important, but you could you could create what I think is expertise without that part. Like an authoritative website, you look at a medical journal, for example, I don't want creativity. <laughs> like you can be an expert in medicine. You can create an excellent medical journal. I don't want creativity, right? Like I, I want facts. So it, it, I think in, in that you could you can have one without the creativity, but could you come up with the next thing to study, the next new idea um, without it? That where where the systems may be lacking. And I think we'll, we'll rely for the foreseeable future being one to two years, perhaps uh, we'll still be relying on on us pesky humans to, to, to be that rather than just distilling information, regurgitating it back out of a blender. Well, I'm, I mean, I'm, I suspect we'll, it's a, 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 we'll be depending on, on humans for at least two more years. I'm hoping at least until around time of retirement. Um, <laughs> and I'm guessing that because the um, quite possibly smartest kids in the room um, can't get the, um, uh, 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 machine generated content, um, right themselves. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think it, 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 it might take a bit longer to, to circle the square on that. Yeah. But one of the things that I think we're starting to see now, and like, I, I know in, in, in practice we are, um, but on, on a wider scope, I've seen tools that try to do it. So we've built one internally, but I, I've seen tools that, that try to do this. Um, is one of the areas that I think we're lacking is that the sort of ongoing training set. So we're able to go, okay, we're taking all this information, we're pulling it in, now go. Uh, You know, can we produce that? I think that is, to your point, an area we're very, very much lacking in. But why I think we're about to make a big leap forward is there's tools that I've seen that sort of present themselves as we're going to get you started. Like we're going to take all this information, we're going to format it. Now we need your eyes in there. You now rewrite it, but we have done all of the heavy lifting for you. We've put all the facts in. We've we've got everything together. You just make it read a little better. Now, that system is going to be learning the entire time I rewrite that. It's going to be paying attention as I've gone through that entire thing and going, ah, okay, got it. I've got one more sample of this type of content um, to to go. Now, you do that times a few million, a few billion, and and now suddenly you have a very, very well-trained system at 
predicting and then fine tuning based on human interaction. And all you'd need to do is add to a crawler to that and go, let's watch for what kind of site this goes to on the web. And now all of a sudden you could put like a reading level and authoritative level um, to that. And, uh, and, and probably within a couple of years, if, if one of these tools took off really, really strongly, uh, within a couple of years, have a, a very, very good model that could then produce its own content without a human, without a lot of human interaction. Well, it occurs to me, like when researching something, you know, we'll stick with SEO just because it's, you know, topical. Um, when researching something, there's a, a massive amount of content that's, you know, already been created on just about any topic or thought under the sun. But again, in, in SEO, it's, it's, it's quite easily available uh, online with crawl with like a half dozen uh, keywords in mind and you're going to find um, oodles and oodles and oodles of content. The question is how much of that content is useful, good, um, correct minded and not built off of one of an exponential number of false SEO threads that have been come up with over the last you know, 20 years or so. Um, how, so I, I did, I'd imagine if I was sitting in your position, um, getting the information is quite easy. Filtering out the chafe is quite difficult. Yeah. And I mean, that's where you would need, wouldn't it be overly complicated, more complicated than I can develop, but not overly complicated models to go number of references, location, basically kind of building a quasi Google, um, but with, with much simpler. And you could even use third party data just to go, okay, are we seeing this multiple times? Like while we're pulling in this information and I'm seeing this claim, you know, this company is, has a valuation of X. Like I'm just picking something that I happen to be looking at recently, which is valuation of companies. Uh, happens to be valued at that. How many reference points do you see at that? Right? Like if I find this in five places and I've looked at the dates and all of them sync up, okay, my, my trust of that, you know, one of them's Yahoo Finances and one of them's Crunchbase. All right. But Dude, I think if you're, you're getting doing into those the, kind of equations. You might be a Tesla investor. <laughs> <laughs> um, but one of the um, issues that I think we'd face to, to your point would be, okay, so but now I've got like an obscure or more obscure SEO thing. What is black hat SEO? Right? I want to create a page. What is black hat SEO? What date stamp? What what site what sites do I trust there? You wouldn't know. So what signals do you then pull in to now separate the wheat from the chaff? There's a lot of SEO stuff that I would get. Okay, black hat world needs to be filtered out. But right now <laughs> we're talking about SEO. But I'm going okay. We need to take black hat world and dump it in as authoritative. Um, you know, so just staying in the in the SEO realm. So I mm-hmm. think we you've hit on some of the the very very unique, very very interesting interesting problems that. This is this is what Google's dealing with. We'll be talking about I/O later. This, these are the challenges that they're trying to face in going. Not just how do we reproduce content, but how do we even judge what should rank? Years ago, I remember being. I don't know. I'm like, like I think I think a lot of us were quite cross when um, obvious bogus content was created, or people people would run off in mythical directions. Um, and I mean, it's, it's still going to see that happen. Um, <laughs> And just so moving forward, just just for practitioners in the industry, you got to understand if you create bunk information and you throw that out into the ecosystem, it becomes part of the ecosystem. And just like little bits of microplastic that are now found in human lungs and stuff, um, that's the kind of crap that gets into the 
um, info stream and the content that's going to be created in the future. Um, it's bad for your mental health. It is. And then you have people at Google putting out uh, guides that tell us that keyword density is a thing. And that's why Google's putting out, I mean, this is exactly why, because years ago, a bunch of us published bunkish information or information that might have been useful at a certain time and then became really unuseful. Um, because the truth is, keyword density was really useful in the late 90s. Yeah. Um, AltaVista had a what, what, 3.15 density, and uh, 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 Lycos might have a 5 ratio. I, I forget exactly what they were, but they had. Slightly, and so you'd make pages for different search engines based on different keyword densities. And that actually was a tactic, one of those Planet Ocean tactics way, way, way back when. Um, and that's how Google got that information. And it's, again, it's just harsh that that, that that mistake happens, but easy to understand why. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I can understand. You would just think, it's if I saw that on many sites, I'd just go, okay, that's horrible, but not unexpected. You would just think with such a core piece of content on the Google domain, you would expect yeah. that that would have gone through a few more checks and balances. You know, just ping John and Danny because you know they're going to have to get ribbed for this <laughs> if, if it goes poorly and just let them put some eyes on it first because either one of them would have gone, no. <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. Okay, so Google's holding a big conference or has been holding a very huge mega conference called Google I.O. Mm -hmm. where everything googly happens um, or Google's new announcements. Um Barry, uh, Barry Schwartz at uh, SD Roundtable has been keeping a um, incredible, as, as always, incredible archive of um, what's been going down, and it's worth going down the uh, going the list that he's kept one by one, um, just to see the stuff that Google's working on and how it's going to be um, looking at information and creating search results uh, 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 and then passing information to people in the future. Um, Google uh, starts out by talking about turning information into knowledge and advancing computing to make that knowledge accessible to the world, no matter where you are, which is nice, you know? Mm -hmm. um, okay, so multi-search, multi-search near me. Um, you want to search for something, you're standing somewhere, you want to take a picture, Google can actually identify stuff in the picture um, from all of the images and business listings and Google local uh, listings it has and, 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 and um, tell you, um, fill you in on, on stuff near you relating to the image. Yeah, this was a, a favorite of mine um, and, and probably for, for many of the same reasons that it was a favorite of yours. Now they launched the core functionality um, of multi-search, I believe it was last month. Um, where you could take an image and then adjust your query based on some text you would input, which obviously I just loved, you loved, like we all, I think sort of like loved it just for the monthly modal sort of nature of like, oh, I'm actually blending image and text now into my query. We knew that was kind of happening on the other end, but actually going, mm -hmm. oh, okay. I, I want to actually, like, I've got this picture and I want to know what kind of a tree is this, right? Or like whatever the, the the query might be. And it's it's merging the two things together. Now having that near me, love that. Just like take a picture of some Kung Pao chicken and go near me, right? <laughs> or like, you know, just insert an image and go, I want this. And I might not even know what it is uh, or products. Like click on that and 
I want to know what this is. If you have like your own, you know, I don't know, got some, got some vitamins on my desk, right? Like take a picture of them and like find out where they are near me. I think it was going to be incredibly valuable. I especially as somebody who has traveled recently and, and, you know, we we're now getting back into the world of things. Um, love this idea, especially when I'm traveling. Like, I love the idea that I can just go, I'm running out of a thing and then just take a picture of it, especially if I'm in an area where I'm not familiar with the language and just take a picture of it and go, just find, find me this. I don't even know how to look for this. <laughs> like I know I wouldn't know where to go. So I, I think it's just, just wonderful. Similarly, if you're in a place where you don't know the language or you don't know the locale, um, Google's got another feature called scene exploration. You'll be able to like take a panoramic photo on your camera or a panoramic video, um, ask a question, and um, get any of the relevant information you need overlaid on uh, on on the photo itself. Um, are you looking for the best in WordPress speed, security, and scalability? WP Engine is a digital experience platform for WordPress, powering digital experiences for large brands around the world. With easy-to-use site management tools and powerful do-it-your-way development features, WP Engine gives you the flexibility to build it your way. Improve your SEO and conversion rates with a faster site on WP Engine. Learn more on WPEngine.com. For maximum customer engagement and retention, choose CleverTap. CleverTap is a leading customer engagement and retention platform that helps digital brands maximize lifetime value. Over 8,000 apps around the world, including Vodafone, Star, and Sony, trust CleverTap to improve user engagement, boost retention, and fuel long-term revenue growth. Learn more at CleverTap.com. That's CleverTap.com. Miami is more than beaches, palm trees, and fun in the sun. It's home every year to the Miami Book Fair, celebrating its 39th year of hosting authors and readers from around the world, November 13th through the 20th. Join us in downtown Miami at the Wolfson campus of Miami-Dade College. Connect with over 500 authors reading from their books in English, Spanish, French, and Creole, answering questions and signing hard copies. The 2022 edition of the Miami Book Fair welcomes everyone of all ages to come together, meet, and make new friends, exchange ideas, and discover one's next favorite author. Let's explore, discover, and learn together. Featured authors will include award-winning novelists Anthony Horowitz, Ben Mesrich, Craig Johnson, Danny Shapiro, Elena Shapiro, Jimmy Attenberg, poet Sandra Cisneros, and authors writing about the trending topics of the day. Lisa Genova, Jerry Stahl, Marie Brenner, Mark Kurlansky, Samantha Cole, Stacey Schiff, Katie Tour, and many others. For more information, please visit MiamiBookFair.com. Follow the fair at Miami Book Fair and join the conversation hashtag Miami Book Fair 2022. It's sort of like like um, uh, uh, augmented reality comes alive for right, right in front of you on your camera. Yeah. And obviously that's, that's super exciting. And we're cool. going to be talking about, you know what, like I want to jump to the end of the, the story, um, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to. So for our oh, listeners, stay tuned. We're going to cover more about this soon. <laughs> okay. Um, 
Google's gotten amazing on understanding how things match up with each other, how they work together, how they relate to each other, including and it, the other day I was out um, with, with, with a friend and we saw the Google Street View car. And I was thinking I wanted to run like several blocks ahead of it and make some stupid tableau for it. But we, we didn't, of course. Um, but that Street View car is laps around my neighborhood over and over and over and over and over again constantly getting more and more data about how my neighborhood functions together. Mm -hmm. Google's taken, I mean, and, and, and those cars have been going out for years and years and years. In the meantime, Google's been gathering reams of other forms of data. Like yeah. Google My Business, uh, Google, the old Google Local stuff, um, uh, 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 stuff just in, in, in search, uh, stuff from uh, uh, Google Android devices, and it's stitched together um, people's photos and then tagging in photos stitched together immersive views of cities. You can walk through a city now, walk in and out of buildings, um, take a look at like signs, like close-ups on signs that you weren't able to do in like uh, Google Maps uh, earlier. Um, basically, on your mobile device, it's like being in a 3D, well, 2.5D version of whatever city you're looking at. Yeah, this was a really, really telling one for me and, and sort of, I don't know if some pennies dropped because I kind of knew this was, was coming, but I think it was a great illustration. This is the beginning also with that other story we're going to talk about later. This is the beginning of the metaverse. It's not some like yeah. Minecrafty kind of world, right? Like th this is where that starts. It's not an example of it because it's not a metaverse, but this is the kind of quality Google can stitch together this. So I can now go for a pint with my friends in London. Once what we're going to talk about later as the teaser Google <laughs> was landing in, um, we get to, um, which is, is where I think the exciting part comes in. Because once you've got full maps of cities and, and basically Google can piece together, cobble together what the missing pieces might be. Oh, okay, Dave wandered into this pub they might only have five pictures they can cobble together what the rest would look like and make it a realistic thing. That's, that's what they're doing. So now if you make an immersive experience for me, what's, where's my environment? Well, it's, it's there. Um, but it might be there in 1872, right? Like it, you can now do almost anything with that um, because with, with just a, a few more models. So um, I, I, this is was one of my favorite things that they talked about. Sorry, that's why I had to drone on about it, and especially as it ties to what we're going to be covering towards the end of this article. <laughs> it's an exciting new world, and it's not a new world because we're actually entering it now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So this is this is an important one of them. My partner Shauna, this this is really important. She's a, a product reviewer. Um, she has a, a dark olive complexion and. Um, she can never, ever, ever find uh, comparative uh, shopping in skin tones. And it's, 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 it's a massive, massive complaint. We have a Eurocentric internet um, built by Eurocentric people. Um, Google is um, creating um, filters and overlays uh, to replicate any tone of skin so you can match dresses, eyeshadows, um, uh, 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 color schemes, whatever. Um, many people are getting into video podcasting and stuff. 
um, well, even when you might work with the green screen, um, matching the optimum colors to the presenter became um, is about to become amazingly easy using skin tone in uh, Google Image Search. So cool on Google for for doing that. Um, yeah, you know what's kind of funny? You were mentioning Eurocentric, and absolutely, that's like the the, the starkest sort of example because all of I'm disproportionately represented, um, you know, on the web. But even looking within that grouping, my wife, Mary, and I have very different colors. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. we, we just are. Like, I'm. you can see me right now. I'm quite pink. Um, like, relative. Like, I, I just am. That's that's sort of like my undercolor. Um, whereas she is not. She's more like has the green undertone. There's, there's like the two undertones. What we would wear, like the colors we could wear are fundamentally different. Um, so, all right. Okay. Olive. He's like, the word is olive. Um, <laughs> so part, pardon, pardon me. I I've been corrected. Um, but yeah, like even, even within a grouping, you can't just classify everybody as one. And that's why there is actually a, a spectrum that they're, that they're drawing from in this. Um, and I think that part is, is great as well. And I will never use the word green to represent anything, but Kermit the frog again. Um, I've sat in front of I've sat in front of and had my picture taken in front of many a green screen, which is a dangerous, dangerous thing because people can please <laughs> see anywhere. Um, okay, Google Ad Center, um, Matt, being able to manage your ads um, in uh, well, via cell phone for one thing, um, a much much easier and more private environment, um, which will allow data portability. And I think that's I think that's a huge blessing for people. I think it's a blessing for both of us. And, and by both of us, I don't mean you and I. I mean, we, we do fit into the both of us. But I mean, as marketers and as users of a system, I hate crappy ads. <laughs> um, and so if they're giving me the capability to go, like, because as part of this, you can go, I actually really like this brand. Like you can actually go this brand I like. And, and, and so now you're going to see more of their stuff in your advertisements and also more stuff like that. I assume if I went, I like Arcterics, I'm probably going to see Patagonia showing up in my ads more, right? But like, I'm going to start getting clusters around my interest a lot more um, and the ability to block. My problem with this, because I kind of tried stuff like this in the past. And every time I've seen things, even in different spaces, will it be adopted? Will my dad and my kids and like, Will everybody use it or will a handful of people use it? In which case it won't be particularly useful unless enough people use it that like authorship, they can go, okay, but we, we kind of got this. We can tie that to other things and, and figure out what people like and, and what people don't. Uh, if a number of people do use it, you can imagine the amount of money they'll start charging the favorite advertisers. <laughs> Good point. The people love you. You're getting shown a million times. Um, I know. I think it's a good thing in many ways. Would I adopt? Would I adopt it? Um, probably not. But I'm not terribly bothered by advertising. Um, it comes up. You um, click away from it. But that's the price of doing business for free on the web, right? It is. I mean, my thing with it, like why I, I, I might be, if it can get a wide enough adoption, is good. Is would I take a second to refine what you advertise to me? I know I'm going to see 10 ads on this page. You have 
One unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, <laughs> I could really use Current. <laughs> I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. But if I can go, this is the kind of crap I don't like. Understand me better. Um, you know, that that I might do and go, actually serve me stuff that I might like. You know I'm a sucker for a good deal and you know I like these kinds of brands. <laughs> like, serve me that stuff. Um, Moreover, it could it could provide feedback to um, pages that, pre that present terrible advertising experiences. Mm -hmm. Um, I can think of one industry, one indispensable industry journal that has interstitials that pop up every time you take any action on the damn page. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know what we'll to leave it at that. <laughs> um, would that be feed? Would that be a way of providing um, less direct feedback about a, um, you know, annoyance or a small problem that many people might experience? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so if you're in the industry, take a look at your website uh, in the industry. If you're a journal in the industry, um, or I should say periodical, um, you know, maybe bad. Get that. Um, all right. Speaking of reading stuff, more people can do it. Yeah. Thanks to Google. Just moving on to the next story. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, what do you think? They added 24 new languages into Google Translate. I think it's really cool. I think it's wonderful. The more the more um, people can communicate, the better. Um, the faster people can communicate, the better. And Google Translate um, gives almost instantaneous translations, like in, for real time conversation. Um, it's also what gives you the uh, easy, easy um, one click translation of um, articles in in um, different languages. Um, it's yeah. Um, the more, the merrier. Yeah, and one of the uh, regular listeners will remember, and this is a great example of it, that, I don't know, it's probably like a couple months ago, I was talking about a model. Um, and I was talking, I got super excited where I was like, zero shot learning. This is why I love it so much, right? Because this is like the the, the system they're using is zero shot machine translation. Um, and that's what makes it like, this is why I got so excited that time. And it's like, oh, hey, we actually have a real world example of why Dave got so excited about that about two months ago when talking about a completely different model. Um, but this idea of zero shot that you don't need to give it direct training um, and that it can just sort of like create with inference. Uh, well, not inference, but anyway, um, through, you know, it, its own mechanics, actually learn something new without being explicitly taught that um, and without being given specific examples is 
is just great. And that's, I, I think we're just going to be able to stockpile languages. Oh, it, also, it's, it's an uns- sorry, go ahead. I was about to note that we're also going to be able to save languages. Yeah. Um, I'm looking at the list of languages um, that, that, that are, have been added to, to Google Translate. Um, some of them are spoken by um, 20,000 people, Sanskrit. Um, Mizo is used by 830,000 people in Northeast India. Um, uh, only 3 million people um, in Northern India speak uh, Dogri. And over time, these languages disappear, but, but um, wisdom and uh, stories and uh, people's histories have been recorded in these languages, eh? Well, I love that. Um, and also you look at just people's ability to learn. Um, now, and, and, and what I mean by that, like I, we know, I, I work in the machine learning space, right? Um, and, and there's very specific cultures that tend to learn the beginner level stuff, everybody ends up gravitating to English in the end, in, in machine learning, like while you're learning it, like the, the top level stuff, like the, the most advanced stuff, it's all written in English. So when you're going for your doctorate, you're going to have a solid grasp of English. But a lot of people at the earlier levels are trying to learn it in their own language. I'm using this only as an example, um, because you're trying to learn a brand new thing. You don't want to be having to do that in your second language. So I'm thinking of all of these cultures, these like a lot of which are like smaller language culture, like as you were listing off, like they're, they're relatively small. There's not a lot of stuff for them. And this is going to open up a whole world where now they can go, I can learn a complex subject. Now I can learn the beginning level of a complex subject in my own language. The translation is going to have a rough time with some things right in, in highly technical areas, but it's going to do a better job and let people in these smaller sort of language groupings that might not have had access to just the professional growth that they might have had without speaking English strongly in in certain sectors. It'll give them that chance to learn the beginning levels in their own so that they can build that proficiency before they're trying to challenge their second language and um, a new skill at the same time. Now, uh, for for, for regular users of Google Translate services, um, (laughs) just to keep everything in perspective it's sometimes yeah, yeah. been a little bit flaky on accuracy yes in the past so if you're thinking of like i don't know saying trying to <laughs> save one of these languages by writing every document you ever write from now on and translating into those languages you might be directing people off cliffs by mistake just keep that in mind <laughs> valid point um okay google lens and this is really cool um Google Lens is, has been was used by um, eight million or so people um, last year. Um, I'm sorry, eight billion or so searches last year. Um, take a picture, focus in on a part of the picture that interests you, be it um, writing on a sign, or a jacket, um, uh, uh, shoes, or something. Google will recognize the object, the language, the um, equation, or what have you, whatever you focused in on, and give you whatever information it can about it. Um, a jacket that might be found at a local retail store. Uh, you see somebody walking by on the street, you're interested in it, take a picture, tells you a bit about it. Mm-hmm. That's kind of neat. Yeah, that is kind of neat. And then, you, then when you got that picture, as we discussed earlier, you can now just add near me, you can find some. <laughs> 
These feel like stalker apps in the weirdest way, eh? Yeah, it is. It is starting to get a little bit creepy, but still very cool. And as a marketer, you're just like, well, there's a lot of opportunity out there, as creepy as it might be. Um, I, I actually, I think this one is really cool. Um, if you are using Schema properly, you will be able to um, have your products appear in this interesting augmented reality that Google is. Um, creating in, in, in these different formats. That is awfully cool. You know, something you, you bring up schema and so I'm just going to go, here's where David, I'll, I'll point out when Twitter started, I didn't think it was going to be a thing. Um, so just, and this is, is another example. I remember schema coming out and mm-hmm. I kind of thought it was actually your friend of mine. David Brown was like all in on it. Like he, he loved um, sort of markup and, and, and schema and, and all the microdata, all of that sort of stuff. And I sort of looked at it and went, I'm not going to become proficient in this because I kind of thought it was going to go the trajectory of authorship, like that authorship did it, it predated it, but I sort of thought that it was going to go that direction. Like they're going to use this. They're going to gain an understanding of the world. It'll be done. Right. Like then, then it'll roll out. No, this is a great example of no matter how smart you think you are going back to the beginning of this, <laughs> this episode, no matter how smart you think you are, you're going to completely miss fire on some very, very important topics because mm-hmm. I did not put in early efforts on that one because I went, thanks, David, you're going to train the system. And then like David Brown, not thank mm-hmm. himself. Mm-hmm. You're going to train the system. Awesome. I don't have to worry about that. No, they just made it way more advanced and <laughs> they started adding in a bunch of new stuff. And now it's a, a critical component um, of, of, pretty much every SEO strategy at this part. Like there's a, there's some schema that's important for almost everything you might do. And, and it may well be a transitory tool used to train the system, as you say. And I, I think you actually are right about it. It's just the transition is going to take a decade or more. Um, it's a really complex universe for teaching machines. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, and it's easy to underestimate how complex things are because um, they're not on the surface when you just look at it. But um, specific threads are used to make that jacket, and those threads are, are made somehow. Um, that's got to be accounted for. I'm, 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 I'm getting a bit into the weeds on a specific jacket, but um, the world really is that complicated. Well, and you know what? I want to take a moment here just to go – we need to understand just everybody take a moment to appreciate who they are because what makes this incredibly complex is that we as human beings don't view it any of this as complex i look at a web page and i understand what's on it i look at it my brain is able to take all that information in and understand that all these different pieces over here all mesh together into one picture of this is what that product is or this is what that experience is we're putting mass amounts of energy into training machines to try and do the same thing. And we've been doing that for decades and they are not nearly as good as we are. So I like to take that. Like every time I think of these sorts of things, I'm like, our brains are amazing. Even the weakest of my brain moments is still amazing um, relative to even the best of the computers out there. Yeah. Be grateful. I'm pink skin. Um, <laughs> Edit that. That sucked. That was stupid. Okay. Um, Speaking of stalker apps, mm-hmm. you ever um, wonder about the um, 
speaker sitting just to the left of you and what it's what it's what it's what it's, what it's doing with everything it's listening to it used to be that you used to have to trigger it with certain words you mm-hmm. say the a word or the um hey g word um and that would turn the thing on and um it would do whatever you google is concerned that um you might not have developed a strong enough relationship with your remote assistant or your digital assistant device. And so it wants to make communication because communication is the heart of all relationships. Eh? It wants to make communication with this device easier. Mm-hmm. So the device is going to be listening no matter what you do. Right. <laughs> so that's basically yeah. what it comes down to. Yeah. Which I absolutely disagree with. Now, if there's a toggle to turn that on and off, I would love like a a safety mechanism to be built into them that goes, if it's something like call 911, no problem. Let's skip the intro. (laughs) Like, let's just leave it paying attention to that as an equal thing and go, okay, this is an emergency thing. Let's let's get out there where I could maybe pre-train it and go, these are the things. Treat that the same as the okay, G which I can't say because I have one listening, which by mm-hmm. the way, since our call, I can't remember the gentleman's name, but it was a freaky call or freaky podcast that we had um, on security. And I'm like, do I really want that sitting there? It's so convenient, but it's so, so invasive. And it just yeah. had a, a world more invasive. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm not a big fan of this. Will I use it? Probably. Will I get used to it? Probably. Will it be an invasion of my privacy? Definitely. Um and 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 that's just that. Now, when they bring it to Android phones, that's when I'll start to go. Mm, I don't like that if they do. Um, so the, again, what I was what I was getting at is you can have more natural conversations with uh, with your Google Assistant. Um, yeah. You can tell it, you can give it instructions without having to trigger it first, and um, perhaps it just works off of a set of known instructions, or you can set things for it ahead of time. But again, it suggests that the device will have to always be listening um, beyond listening for the trigger. Right. And I, I get it. I get it. But anyway, I just got my own my own problems with it. But that's because I have someone sitting on my desk and I'm just like, oh, I don't want to drink too much Kool-Aid. But there we are, I guess, in for a penny and for a pound on some of this stuff. Um, sorry to put that one. Um, OK, what else did we cover? Information, personal information removal. Um, Sometimes search results uh, put up not necessarily embarrassing things, but things you don't want the whole world to know, such as your home address and phone number. Mm -hmm. Um, Easy in in this second age, easy way to get brigade spammed is to to be a business and give out a phone number. (laughs) It's crazy as that sounds. Um, Or to give out your personal name and have your personal phone number published out there. Mm Google's giving a tool that'll help you remove uh, personal information again, like 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 home address, phone number, email address, and stuff from from search results. Um, it's not a personal reputation management tool. You can't remove the um, story about the felony that you were convicted of in uh, 2018, but you can remove your address. So what we should do. Is if there's re- if you're a reputation management person and there's stories about you, try and make sure they include your address. <laughs> um, this is a, basically it's a no docs tool, and I think it's a good thing. Yeah, yeah it is. It is 100. Um, percent 
Google's giving more instruction about certain results um, in in uh, Google App. Um, so you know you'll be able to get a, a a sense of the veracity of information behind a result set, um, or maybe uh, get the context of 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 why this 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 website is ranked here. Um, that's that's kind of cool. I'll be interested to see that in action. Yeah, so will I. So will I. I think that's interesting, and I think more information on our information sources and. It's, it's a good thing. And ultimately, the big thing. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Is a return of a um, heads-up display of sorts. Um, Google is talking straight up about um, augmented reality features that may be coming to something. They didn't say what. They didn't say that um, Google Glasses are coming back or that it would be on your cell phone or anything, but um, again, Google is talking straight up about creating augmented reality realities. The possibilities around that, if used well, are like endless. Yeah. I mean, this ties to a couple for folks listening who've been listening to the whole episode. This is that story we've alluded to a couple times <laughs> earlier in the episode. This is super exciting for me because I, I think this is their proper kick at the can. I don't think this is going to be a, a, a the lackluster failed attempts that we we've seen from them in the past. I think this is their actually like we fine tuned. We we tried cardboard to create a little thing. We tried like I think those were all. And I guess that wasn't really an augmented reality, but um, sorry, go ahead. Well, that was a VR sort of thing, and Google's yeah. been experimenting with what is the what is the environment people want to accept. What are they comfortable in? Um, I think their their problem with the approach is they've all they've tried these sort of all or nothing approaches. I'm glad you mentioned cardboard though, because I think that's more of an incremental thing. Will they yeah. do this? And if they do that, will they be into this environment? Right. Um, I think things are split right now between VR and AR. Um, and um, yeah, we'll see how how all of this develops. Eh? Like it's exciting as heck because it all comes down to what will the user adopt. Well, indeed, and this one I think something for for our users, um, the folks that are that are listening right now, um, that's an important takeaway that even if they go the quote unquote Google Glass route, which is a natural route to go for for an, an augmented reality sort of scenario, right? That it would be some sort of fit on glasses or, or something like that. We're not, I think the, the problem with what they did before is they basically went, we're going to make you creepy and you're going to have a camera on your face at all times, including when you walk into washers. People are going to love that. You should just do that. You should want to watch your whole day. And no, we wouldn't. There is no reason. The, the only thing I was getting was bad. Like people were bad. We remember like people were getting like beat up if I remember correctly for like, apparently like wearing these in the wrong locations but to actually have an inlay on my side like my side of the eye going here's the useful information 
for you. Like you're looking at this building, here's the information. You're looking for, you're trying to take directions. You no longer need to like be staring at your phone the entire way. We're just like, we got this. Like you'll have a little arrow in the corner of your like vision and and it'll just get you where you're needing to go or, or whatever it, it might be. This is the one that I, I get quite excited about. Whereas before, when we were talking about the buildings and the landscape, that were more dealing with a VR kind of scenario to your, like in my mind moving forward and going, okay, now if you can immerse me in that, we've got VR. In this, I'm viewing that as an actual big advantage in my interactions with the real world, Um, but just giving me information that I normally have to look at my phone for and just overlaying it um, and giving me constant access to updates on it on the fly. I I think it's going to be really, really interesting. And I hope by this time next year, we're starting to see some real traction in the space. Well, I agree. And again, it comes, um, if Google can find a way to present these kinds of overlays in different environments, I love the idea of a heads up display on my sunglasses or on, or on, um, on, on glasses. That's, that's, that's great. But if I don't want that, give it, give me a version on my cell phone that I might want. I might be able to adapt to the more people you get adapting to the concept in different environments, the more um, useful it becomes to users, um, however they're using it. Um, you can standardize that later. Find when, when, when you find something that the majority of people start to adopt. But this, do you remember when Google had their mobile first strategy? And as it turns out, um, the majority of uh, commercial content on, on the web or business to business um, transactions are conducted on um, desktop computers yeah um mobile first didn't work for um those consumers didn't work as well in fact in many ways in many cases it, it, it shut out a lot of content um that was google trying to do an all or nothing approach like again mm-hmm. like with google glasses and uh, they were doing before they should try a much more open approach and maybe they will like wouldn't it be wonderful if they took the same approach they did with their mobile operating system and just went here's the framework yeah go nuts um and then just handed that out like ray-ban's already creating glasses with um you know a, a camera in them i would never own them but i i happen to see them in the in the shop um you know okay now you just need to put in a different lens here's the operating system to make that run yeah make um, it a platform and open source it yeah yeah that's what i would do if i were them because they don't want to become a hardware manufacturer of glasses they already have the phone, so they're already going to have that part. So, so marketers, SEOs, people wondering where this environment takes us. The question you have to ask um, isn't, well, I mean, it is what's happening and how is it going to be happening. But more importantly, how do you convey information to consumers through it? And um, again, this comes down to whatever languages teach machines the parameters of the thing you're trying to describe. And I think that, that currently that schema. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a that's a good. And then we're back to schema. Um, but you're right; it is it's a great mechanism. I've been dealing with it quite a bit lately. So, yeah, it just is the thing. Um, was there's a schema? There's actually a specific schema story that came up. We only have a few. It's funny we talked about all the Google I/O stuff um, building up to the AAR reality, um, 
And there's a number of other stories that actually are really worth mentioning that, that, that happened this week. Google's kind of put out the um, put out a, a statement: use it or lose it. If um, you have say, say you start gathering data in a Search Console on on a website, but you don't check that data, after a while, Google's going to stop gathering data. <laughs> um, so don't set and forget, and then hope to go back a year later and see um, an accumulation of of data in Search Console. It may not be there. Yeah, something I'm wondering about when I, because at first I was like, oh, that makes perfect sense. And anybody who's not using it, there you are. Um, but one thing that just sits in the back of my head that I'm wondering about is, are they counting API calls? Um, and the only reason I ask that is, what about people who are basically pulling their Search Console data into another tool? Data Studio, mm -hmm. SEMrush, whatever, like one of these tools that, that can help add like a bit of context or, or give you a different visual on it or just put it all in one place. Are they counting that? Because that would be a big problem if all of a sudden people who use the data, they just use it in a different format. All of a sudden we're like, where, where, where did it go? I assume they figured that one out um, and that it's coming in through, you know, through different mechanisms. Um, but, uh, but hopefully they don't get any false positives because I'm not one of those people. I usually go to this source after looking at it in different tools, but, um, I, I could see people who would just like, I created dashboards for clients and I'm sure they don't log into search console. <laughs> they just go to that dashboard and look and go, yeah, those are the queries. And that's about that. So, um, yeah, well, ho hopefully, hopefully, but I assume they've got that sorted out. Indeed, I would hope. Um, if you're looking for more information um, about PageSpeed, um, PageSpeed Insights has now added a new Lighthouse uh, Lighthouse Speed metrics. So um, a little bit more precise and perhaps a little bit more googly. Ooh, see now, and that's another. I'm just finding out about that story right now. And now I've got reading for right after we get off. <laughs> no, thank you. You know, and you can thank Roger Monty at a uh, search engine journal. That was, I think came up earlier today. Awesome. Um, lastly, we have, and we got, we got about two minutes left in the, in the show. Google has given um, advice updates on uh, how to control troll titles in search. You can check that out at Search Engine Journal. It's a fairly long article. That's actually not the last story. The last one I found kind of interesting. Um, but check out uh, Google's Google's advice on updating and controlling titles in search. It talks about, about how it creates titles and what it values in a title statement. Um, absolutely uh, essential knowledge uh, for SEOs. Yeah, and not the BS that we were talking about earlier with some of Google's <laughs> advice on SEO. Although, remembering, take it from the source, this is Google telling you, so yeah. it might be right, it might not, not right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, <coughs> so, uh, Apple built this massive campus at the cost of, like, several tetra-billion dollars. I, I have no idea what, what, what the campus costs, but it costs, like several small fortunes and then some mm -hmm. and then COVID hit like directly after opening it and now nobody wants to go back to it um but apple's ordered its staff back to campus and uh, many of its staff are um 
giving Apple the uh, Chuck Hugh Farley treatment um, and refusing to go back to, to campus, including Ian Goodfellow, the um, director of machine learning. Yeah, that's going to be a big loss for them. But um, kaboom, I don't man. even know what to say about that. Like th- this guy is, is like, develop some of the core technologies that are used in machine learning right now. Like Dan's like he's, he's huge and now he's gone and I'm sure Google or Microsoft or IBM or NVIDIA will be happy to pick him up. It's phenomenal. The kind of, this is, I mean, this is just like just a massive mistake made by uh, a corporate office. And the funny thing is, isn't machine learning about reducing the um, burden on corporate offices? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, ultimately, um, and I get that they had to make a bigger decision for their full staff, and like you can't change that for one. But um, yeah, anyway, I know we have to wrap, but uh, but yeah, bad call, friends. We got to go. We've gone full circle here on Webcology. So on behalf of Dave Davies from Weights and Biases, this is Jim Hedge from Digital Always Media. You've been listening to Webcology on WMR on the twelfth uh, of May, twenty twenty two. Stay well, rank well, be kind to each other, and we'll talk to you next week. expressed in this WMR.FM program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of WMR.FM. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.